Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we have two weeks left, this week and next week, and we're going to be wrapping up this series uh, we've been going through, through this summer, what Jesus said about that. Um, next week, we're going to wrap it up with tying that all together with what Jesus said about himself. Um, this week, we're going to be looking at what Jesus said about religion. And, and if you are here today um, and you are not a Christ follower, and maybe one of the reasons is it's just all like really confusing for you, um, I really believe this week and next it's going to kind of hope, hopefully clear some things up, some clear up your understanding about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, because it's not about religion. In fact, Jesus had the hardest time with the religious establishment of his day. That was his harshest critics. That was his, they were, it was just, he didn't get along with them at all. Um, and, there, and it basically broke down into three different groups. Uh, there was a group called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees they were the purists, okay? Um, they initially started out as, um, as a lay movement. Um, a lot of rabbis were Pharisees, and they developed their whole literature called the Talmud. There was the Torah, which is the law, um, scripture given by God. The Talmud was commentary that, that the Pharisees and rabbis wrote about that, and it was kind of clarifications on the law. That's what the Pharisees were all about. Um, their big thing was the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and their belief was that the reason that Israel was suffering under Roman occupation was because they had lost their religion, in essence. Um, and, and if we could just get people back to obeying the law and making sure and get everybody holy again, then God would send this Messiah, overthrow the Roman government, and God would establish his kingdom once again on earth, the kingdom of Israel. That was their whole big deal. Now, along with them, there was another group. They're, they were called the scribes or teachers of the law. Um, some of them were Pharisees. Some of them were not. Um, but what their job was, they were kind of like the enforcers. They were kind of like making sure that everybody was applying the law to everyday life. They, they interpreted for them and made clarifications on points of the law for those people. And then there was another group called the Sadducees. The Sadducees were kind of the aristocracy. They were the rich people. They were the religious elite most of them were in the category of the chief priests, okay? And, um, and they were not about the Talmud at all. They were strictly law. It's just the Torah, only the Torah. Follow the Torah. And, um, and so there were some distinctions between all. Now, one of the distinctions of the Sadducees is where, where the Pharisees and maybe the scribes believed in the resurrection or believed that there was an afterlife after this life. The Sadducees did not. They did not believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in a life hereafter. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> That's how you remember. Now, you will always remember what made a Sadducee a Sadducee, okay? Um, that was their deal. So these guys, they had all kinds of differing opinions in terms of the law and differing opinions in terms of religion. But the one thing they were all united on was getting rid of Jesus. They were his harshest critics, and Jesus had some harsh words for them as well. He talked about them this way. He told his disciples, as in Matthew 5, 20, to his followers, he said, listen, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. I thought they were all about the kingdom of heaven. No, unless you do better than them, you're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Matthew 6, 1, in contrast to the Pharisees, he said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. 
If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Some pretty harsh words. He actually, there's a record in Luke's gospel. It's in Luke chapter 11. In fact, that's what we're going to set her in on today. Um, Jesus was actually, it was early on in his ministry, he was actually invited to the home of a Pharisee for dinner. And as they were having table conversations at dinner, this is what Jesus said to his Pharisee's host. Then the Lord said to him, beginning in verse 39, Luke eleven thirty-nine. 39. Then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because of you, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without even knowing it. Thanks for the dinner. I'm out of here. No, that's not Vernon. <laughs> it goes on. It says, now, one of, the te- one of the experts in the law answered him, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus said, oh, I'm just getting started. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. And then he went on for a couple more chapters. Then it gets down to the end of Luke chapter 11. Then Luke writes this. Then when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Battle lines had been drawn. In his confrontation with the religious leaders, Jesus was making it clear that what they were talking about and what he was talking about were two completely different things. He made some very, very clear distinctions about what their approach was to God and what his approach was. They were complete opposites. And he made some very key distinctions in in his confrontations with these guys. And that's what I want to key in on today. The difference between religion and following Jesus. The difference between what the religious people said And what Jesus said. And he made some very clear distinctions. One of them is this. That authenticity matters far more than appearances. See, religion puts a lot of emphasis on externals. It really does. That's why Jesus warned, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, there is nothing wrong with acts of righteousness. They are good things. Giving, serving, fasting, praying, all of those, they are good things. What he warned about was not about doing those things. What he warned them about, about doing those things for show. And that's the difference. See, in religion, there is this tendency, and we have this when we get sucked into the religion mode, there is this tendency to try to appear more spiritual than we really are. Religion kind of breeds that whole kind of thinking. It's what um, John Orpberg writes about. He talks about it as being boundary marker spirituality, that we have certain distinctives in which we show ourselves to be different than anybody else. And it's not just religious people. All throughout our culture, we have these boundary markers that we set up. 
couple of examples, okay? Audience participation. It's the 1960s. You're in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco, and you see somebody driving a VW microbus with a tie-dyed shirt, long hair, and the bumper sticker says, make love, not war. You are looking at a hippie. Exactly. Those are the boundary markers. That's how they distinguish themselves, okay? Fast forward 20 years. Now it's the 1980s. You're driving across the Golden Gate Bridge, and next to you is a Beamer being driven by a guy with a short hair, Rolex watch, and a a sweater tied around his shoulders. You are looking at a yuppie. Exactly. You walk into a bar, theoretically. (laughs) You walk into a bar, and in there it is filled with guys with black t-shirts with Harley Davidson emblems on them, wearing black leather vests and a chain around their waist for a belt. You are looking at... A biker, exactly. <laughs> what was that other one? I don't know what that other one could. Yeah, those are the boundary markers. That's how we just and we all have them. In the, in the church that I grew up, okay, there was no writing on the wall that said, these are the rules, but there were certain boundary markers that were expected of us. As a teenager growing up, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't dance, because dancing, that leads to premarital sex. And, and roller skating was questionable because roller skating is dancing on wheels and roller skating leads to dancing and you know where dancing leads, okay? That was, those are kind of the unwritten rules. Those were the boundary markers to show how spiritual and how holy we were. You didn't wear jeans to church. I would be in trouble. They've loosened up a little bit. It's, it was a good church, but there were these boundary markers and we all have them. The Pharisees had all of these boundary markers by which they could prove that they were more holy and more spiritual than everybody around them. And Jesus fought against that. Because he said, true transformation happens from the inside out. And he was far more concerned on what was going on on the inside, the authenticity. He said that pleasing God is far more important than impressing the people around you. So he said, yes, do those things. Give, yes, give. Pray, yes, pray. Fast, yes, fast. But do it in secret. Do it in secret. Because when you give, when you pray, and when you fast in secret, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, what he's not, he's not saying keep your faith a secret. What he's saying is do this just between you and God. Do these things not for show, not for the people around you, but just between you and God. See, when it's just between you and God, then we're talking about the real you, the authentic you. And that's what Jesus was most concerned with. Keeping up appearances always leads to hypocrisy. Jesus said, no, take care of the inside. He said, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish. Then the outside also will be clean. He says, I'm concerned about your inner life. The real you. Your thoughts. Your motives. Your aspirations. Your attitudes. In short, the real you. The authentic you. The beginning of, uh, of the 
baseball season, 2013 baseball season. Um, it was the beginning of the season after the Giants had won their second, count them, two, now it's three, two World Series championships. And, and the thing was that the first game of the season, the, home, the opener was not a home opener. The game was actually played against the Dodgers down at Dodger Stadium. And, but what they did was they opened AT&T Park. For anybody who wanted to, you could come down to AT&T Park. You could watch the opener from Dodger Stadium on the big screen there at AT&T. And so, of course, I had to go. And uh, so my wife and I, we packed up. We went down there at AT&T Stadium. And as we walked in, they gave me this. I am an authentic fan. I was so proud until I discovered for the rest of the season, they were giving these out to anybody who walked through the doors, Okay. Here's the deal. If I'm an authentic fan, I don't need a poster to prove that. What Jesus is saying is, listen, if you're an authentic follower of me, you don't need to keep up appearances to prove it. I am more concerned about the inner you. Authenticity matters more than appearances. Second one, it's very closely related to it. It's that becoming matters more than performing. See, here's the other thing about religion. Religion is all about doing. Religion is all about doing. Do this, don't do that. And if you do that, that you shouldn't have done, here's what you do to make up for what you've done, okay? That's pretty much what religion's all about. It's all about doing. It's, it's the do-to-be mentality. It's if you do this, God will love you. If you do this, you will be accepted. If you do this, you will be approved of by God. If you do, then you will be loved by him. He said, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. It's not about doing. It's about being. See, here's the thing. When you get on that performance treadmill, that's what it is. It's a treadmill. You are making a lot of movement, but you're getting nowhere. And every once in a while, it's like somebody comes by and turns up the speed on you. you got to run faster and harder. And nobody says you've done enough. It's a treadmill. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. And here's the other thing about when, when you get into that performance mentality, here's what happens is you become a performer. And worse, we become judges of performance. And it's like... Back in the um, old days of the Soviet Union, you know, there was always that East German judge that gave everybody 6.5s when everybody else was given 8s, okay? That's what happens with judgmentalism. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He said there is this treadmill that you get on, and it just keeps going faster and faster. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. See, the trouble, the trouble with performance is it doesn't address the real person. It doesn't get down to the real you. And Jesus, Jesus almost went out of his way to challenge them on this point. So often in the Gospels, he healed people, and he, he could have done it any day of the week, but he did it on a Sabbath. And that was a big no-no. 
because the Sabbath was supposed to be kept holy and you don't do work on the Sabbath and all these things. And Jesus, it seems like he went out of his way to make a point. He would do these healings on the Sabbath and he would get in trouble for him every time. In fact, one time he healed a guy who had been paralyzed for years and years and years. And after he healed him, he said, pick up your mat and walk. Now, picking up your mat and walking, that was breaking the Sabbath. You were not keeping the Sabbath if you did that work. Jesus deliberately told him to break the Sabbath. There was another event, another occasion. Jesus and his followers, they are walking through a grain field. And as they're walking through the grain field, some of his disciples start picking the heads of grain and kind of munching on them as they're walking through the field. The Pharisees see this and they challenge him. Why are your disciples working and and picking grain on the Sabbath, uh, which is unlawful to do? Jesus kept challenging him on this point. And it was because it's not about doing, it's about being. This is what he said. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying it's not about doing, it's not about keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for who you are. (laughs) It's about being. Not about doing. They had missed the point. Same thing with their tithing. He said, listen, you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. He said, you're doing the right things, but for all the right wrong reasons. And you, you are so strenuous in making sure that you tithe about every little thing that comes out of your garden, but you've missed the point. It's about being and becoming, not doing and performing. See, performance, performance can get us to conform, but it does not transform. And Jesus was interested in transformation. We have a saying, uh, you hear it maybe often, um, you fake it till you make it, you know? And it's kind of that do-to-be mentality. If I fake it long enough, it'll become a part of me, and then I'm, you know what? I don't, I don't agree. Jesus would disagree with that. When you, when you fake it till you make it, all that does is produce really good fakers. Because you don't become by doing. Now, yes, there are some things, there are parts of doing in following Jesus. Yes, there are. There are certain things that we do, but we don't do them as a means of earning God's favor. We don't do them as a means of securing God's love. We do them as an outgrowth of who we already are in him. And that's the point that Jesus was trying to make. We shared together in one of those doing things together this morning. Communion. Communion is something we do to remind us it's already been done. See, that's what religion is spelled D-O, do. Following Jesus is spelled D-O-N-E. It's been done. You've been given a new life. You are a new creation. Now live in that new life. That's the difference. And the last one. Jesus made a distinction that direction matters more than position. See, religion tends to classify people by their position. Are they in or are they out? Jesus emphasized direction. His call, his call was simply this, follow me. That's a direction word. Just follow me. Move in the same direction that I am moving. And people followed him. 
people from the wrong positions. People who were the wrong kinds of people. They didn't have those high positions. Those were the people that followed. And that bothered the Pharisees immensely. It says that many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because they were, they were engrossed in positional thinking. And these people, they're not ins. They're outs. Why are they following you? Jesus said, woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues. That's position. And respectful greetings in the marketplaces. That's position. Jesus was concerned more about direction. See, here's the problem with positional thinking. It invites comparison. Where do I rate? What's my position in the ranking? We start comparing ourselves with people. Usually we compare ourselves with people we're better than. And that's the trouble with positional thinking. Jesus was more interested in direction. In fact, he told a story. He told a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector who went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, it says, stood before God and said, God, I thank you that I am not like this tax collector. I tithe, I go to temple, I pray, I fast, I do all of these things. And he went on and on and on and on. And it says, and then the tax collector fell to the ground, beat on his chest, and said to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, not the other, went home justified. Because he was moving in the right direction. See, here's the problem with positional thinking. Another one of the problems. It does not take into account where someone's been. It does not take into account how far they have come. Because two people can be in the exact same position, but headed in completely opposite directions. Two people can be struggling with the same addiction, the same compulsive behavior, the same sin. One fully indulging in it, the other moving in a direction away from it. Same position, same activities, same behaviors, two different directions. Directional thinking is all about how far I've come. You look at somebody and say, oh, man, are they a mess? Yeah, but you should have seen them a year ago. (laughs) You have no idea how far I have come. (laughs) And that's what Jesus was interested in. That's what he kept talking about. That is the difference between religion and following Jesus. On one occasion, he had a conversation with someone who was a seeker, someone who was still investigating. And at the end of the conversation, it was a really, really good conversation. You can read the whole thing. But when we get to the end of the commission, at the end of the conversation, um, it's not clear that he made the decision to follow Jesus at that point. But at the end of the conversation, as he's walking away, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's directional thinking. See, around here, when we talk about our core values, and one of our core values is that we are all people in process, that's directional talk. That's Jesus kind of language. None of us have arrived. None of us are at at a position where we can say we've made it. But we are moving in the same direction. And that's what Jesus was concerned about. His chief concern, his chief concern was helping take people where they were at and moving them in a direction that was closer to the Heavenly Father. That's what he was about. And that's why he could say, 
In contrast to what he said about the Pharisees who pile heaps and burdens on top of people without lifting a finger to help them, he said instead, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you bow your heads with me? Here's the good news. There is hope even for Pharisees. There was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night, had a conversation with him. He had all the credentials. He was all good about his, on appearances. He, was, he could check that box. Um, when it came to position, he could check that box. When it came to, to um, uh, all of those things that were so important, he could check every box. And Jesus said to him, but you need to be born again. You need to change direction. You need a new way of life. And it's not clear at the end of that conversation what Nicodemus decided, except that at the end, at Jesus' death and burial, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are the ones that put Jesus' body in the grave. When nobody else identified with Jesus in his death, there's Nicodemus. There's hope for even Pharisees. In fact, there was another Pharisee by the name of Saul. Spent most of his career trying to destroy these Christ followers. And then he had a change of direction. He changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he became the writer of most of our New Testament. There's hope even for Pharisees. No one's beyond the reach of God's grace. So here's the thing as we close today. I want to ask you, if you would be honest enough to take a good hard look, do you find yourself too concerned with appearances? Have you found yourself on that performance treadmill and you're just tired? Or do you find yourself measuring your spirituality right now by your position more than your direction? Jesus said, you slipped into that religion mode. And that's not following me. And maybe you made a decision to be a Christ follower, but you found yourself slipping back into performance mode, into appearances, into all of those things. And, and maybe today it was just a good reminder. Come back to rest. Rest in the grace of God. And if you found yourself in that performance mode, in that appearance mode, and today, if I could pray for you, that you just get back to resting in God's grace. Would you let me know by just raising your hand? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is so easy to slip back into that. Yeah. Now maybe you're here today and you're not a Christ follower. And the biggest reason maybe could be just because you didn't think you could live up to those standards. You didn't think you could do all the right things. You didn't think you could make it work. And you've been trying really, really hard. But the reality is, and you know it, that's not working. 
I want to invite you to rest today, to let go of religion and take a first step of faith and trust in what's already been done for you. Jesus came to this earth and gave his life on a cross and did for you what you couldn't do for yourself so that you could enjoy a life with him, the forgiveness of sin and a new life. And if you've never taken that first step, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that today. It's just admitting your need, asking for his forgiveness, putting your trust in him, not in yourself anymore. And if that describes you and you're ready today to take a first step of faith, same thing, would you just raise your hand, look up and catch my eye when you do, because I'd like to pray specifically with you and for you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. All right. So, Lord, here we are. And it's so easy to slip into performance mode. It's so easy to try and prove ourselves and and, and keep up appearances and in that miss the grace that you have for us. A number of us today have raised our hands. Some of us for the very first time saying, tired keeping up appearances i'm tired of trying to perform up to a standard i just want to rest in you so here i am with my faults my sin my mistakes my failures god would you just let your grace wash over me forgive me restore me put that life within me stronger still that i might follow you i pray it in jesus name amen Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.